Exodus chapter number 5, and we're going to be in verse number 20, starting at the end of the chapter and go all the way through verse 23. Exodus 5 and verse 20, the Bible says, And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. They said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. I want to pay attention to these next two verses. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. I want to preach a message entitled this tonight, Why Me, Lord? Why Me, Lord? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for letting us be here. I thank you, Lord, for your love and for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Pray, God, for everyone that's here tonight that you would please speak to their hearts. And, God, you would do a work in their lives, God, because I'm not able to, Lord, but we're relying upon you tonight. I pray, God, if one is undone and does not know you, tonight would be their night of salvation. And God, I pray that you'd meet with us these next few moments and just help us. Lord, I pray that your presence will be felt here this evening. Empty me of myself, and God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, give me the words to say that I'd not say anything, uh, Lord, that would be grieving to you, Lord, no more, no less than what you want tonight. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The Lord has chosen Moses to be the man that's going to lead his people out of Egypt. Now, we know that God's people are under much bondage and have been under much bondage for a long period of time, being strangers in a foreign land. They cry out to the Lord, and the Lord hears their prayers, and the Lord sends Moses to lead them out of Egypt, out of bondage. I'm glad that God hears our prayers, not amen. And I'm glad the Lord chose a man to lead his people out of Egypt, out of the bondage that they were in. But I'm more glad tonight that the Lord sent a man by the name of Jesus to lead me out of my bondage, amen, to lead me out of my sin and the condition that I was in. Moses being a picture of Christ here in the Old Testament as he's leading God's people out of bondage into the promised land where God has promised them. We see that the Lord comes to Moses in the burning bush and commands him. He said, I've heard the cries of my people. He said, I understand they're under much bondage, and I, I understand their condition that they're in. And, and, and Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and, and tell him to let my people go to release them to do a sacrifice unto the Lord their God in the wilderness. We find that Moses was at first hesitant about the call that God had placed upon his life. And we'll find that Moses begins to uh, plead with the Lord, saying, Lord, you don't want me. Lord, I'm not the man you're looking for, Lord. I'm not a man that's of good speech. I'm of slow speech. I'm not really eloquent, Lord. And Lord, I, I just thank you got the wrong man. And God said this, and I love what the Lord said to Moses. He said, who made man's mouth? 
He said, Who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing? Have not I the Lord? Now go, I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what to say. And God doesn't call the qualified, but he will qualify the called. Amen. And I sure am glad that if God calls us to a task, we can trust that he will supply us with the needs that are needed for that current situation. And I'm glad that God can take a nobody as Moses and make him a somebody, amen. I'm glad that God can take a nobody as myself tonight and make me a somebody, amen. I'm glad God's in the business of not worrying about how, how good we are, but he calls us out of this world and he gives us a purpose, amen. I'm glad he can give us what we need. But we find that Moses was obedient with the same ex- with exception that God gave Moses Aaron for a helper. And here in the start of Genesis chapter, or Exodus chapter number 5, Moses is doing exactly what God has asked him to do. Everything God asked for him to do, he went and done. And it starts here in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. And Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. But even though Moses was obedient and Moses was doing as God had asked, Pharaoh was not compliant or uh, on the same page as where Moses was. Pharaoh makes the comment, he says, I don't know the Lord, and I'm not listening to God, and I'm not going to let the children of Israel go. Pharaoh says, okay, you want to play like that? Here's what we're going to do. The burdens that are already upon you, I'm going to make them more burdensome. The children of Israel at this time were slave brick makers, and, and they were making bricks during this period of time. And, and Pharaoh would supply them with straw and other supplies to make these bricks, But now Pharaoh removes the supply of straw to make these bricks, and he tells them to find their own straw, but yet they've got to produce the same amount of bricks in the time required. So no doubt here the the burdens and and, and the trials upon God's people here have increased. And the, the power of Pharaoh seems like it has increased, and people are under much bondage. Now the children of Israel are expected to meet this daily quota of the same amount of bricks, but yet with not the supplies given. And they're falling under much rigor, the Bible says. That word rigor means they were under much bondage and they were literally being broken apart. As God's people are in a foreign land, as God's people are strangers in a place that they are not familiar with, as they are here under much bondage. And, and God has told Moses, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and Moses does that. And now Pharaoh turns the tables and make matters worse. And now as the, the demands were high and the people could not keep up with the brick supply, we find that the, the officers of the children of Israel, they were beaten and they were demanded to fulfill this daily task, but they just could not do it. The officers of the children of Israel then would go and they would plead with Pharaoh that, they would, that he would reason and be reasonable with them and have pity upon them. But Pharaoh was not budging, and Pharaoh was not changing his mind. He'd already made his mind up. This is way, the way it was going to be. If Moses has the, the, the pride to come to me and say, let God's people go, I'm going to make it worse and worse upon God's people. And here they are in this situation, and the, the Bible calls it rigor and, and much bondage we'll find that they go to Pharaoh and begin to plead with him. But in verse number 20, where we begin our reading tonight, as they were coming back from pleading with Pharaoh, the Bible says, And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way, as they came forth from Pharaoh. I like that where the, the Bible says they stood in the way. They were taking a stand for the things of God and doing all they can to do what God had asked them to do. 
But in verse 21, Moses discovers that not only is Pharaoh making matters worse, but the children of Israel are also upset with him. Pretty much they say, Moses, you have done nothing but make this situation worse. And look at verse 21, and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. More or less here, the children of Israel, they get up in Moses' face, they put their finger in his face, say, Moses, you have made matters worse. Our life was already in turmoil and much bondage and much rigor. And all you've done, Moses, is make matters worse. And you've put a sword in the hand of Pharaoh to slay us, Moses. What is wrong with you, Moses? Moses, you've made this situation way worse than what it was before. As they were two men of God standing in a way, doing what God had asked them to do, God's own people come to Moses and put all the blame upon him. And Moses very quickly found out that taking a stand uh, for the things of God was not as easy as maybe he thought it would have been. Moses has come to find out that things are a lot harder maybe than what he had imagined over in Exodus chapter 3 in the burning bush. Moses has found out that this is a difficult path to be on. You ever felt like this before where you're doing all you can to serve God but yet everything is falling apart? You're trying to do all you can to be mindful and obedient to the Lord, but yet it seems like nothing is going in your favor. And yet, no doubt, Moses is discouraged here. Now think about this just for a minute. Moses has done exactly what God has asked him to do. He he has followed the plan God has laid out for him that matters have not gotten better, but matters have gotten worse with much bondage and rigor and uh, has all increased. And now his own people have even turned against him. And no doubt I'd say Moses probably feels all alone. No doubt we could agree Moses is in a trying time of his faith and discouraged. Now notice here with me in verse number 22, Moses' discouragement. Moses comes to God and Moses returns to the Lord. In verse 22, he says, Lord, and and wherefore hast thou so evil treated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? He said, Lord, why me? Lord, why have you sent me to do this? He said, why are you so evil and treated this people? Moses felt like God was being evil to his own people. And Moses said this. He said, ever since I've started speaking in thy name, everything has gotten worse It's not gotten better, but it's gotten worse. And he says this in verse 23, And Moses said, God, you're not even moving. God, I'm trying to serve you, but you're not doing anything. Look at verse 23. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. It's amazing to me. A man of God is Moses. He's in his prayer closet saying, Lord... Why me? Lord, you're not moving. Lord, you're being evil to your people. And Lord, it's getting worse. No doubt he's discouraged. What I want to focus on is in verse 22, Moses made this statement. Why me, Lord? Why is it that thou hast sent me? It's pretty common to ask that question, why me, Lord? Now, Job, Brother Job, after all he went through in Job chapter 7, verse 20, said, Why am I your mark? Why am I your target? After Job had lost his family, he had lost his health, he had lost his his household, he had lost his, his money, his fortune, Job had lost 
literally everything Job could lose. And in Job chapter 7, verse 20, Job said, Lord, why am I your target? Why am I your mark? David in Psalm chapter 22, after the troubles of his life, says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And even Jesus on the cross of Calvary said this, My God, my God, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? As he bore the sins of the entire world on that day on Calvary's cross. There's one thing about what Jesus said, is he understands where you're at today, amen? When you go to your prayer closet and you're asking God why, you're, you're talking to the right God, amen? He knows and he understands he's been right where you're at before. As the sins were laid upon Jesus on Calvary's cross, I can only imagine how he felt as he cried out to his Father, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As he, as he felt abandoned and alone and forsaken on that cross on that day. So when you go to your prayer closet, understand that he understands why. When you thank God, don't understand, he understands why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. He knows. He feels like, he knows what it feels like to be sinless and spotless and perfect, yet everybody hate him. He knows what it, what it feels like to be forsaken and, and smitten of God because of the sins of the entire world has been placed upon. Hey, Jesus understands tonight, amen? No doubt we've all been in this situation. If you've ever served God for any amount of time, you've come to this point in your life where you've said, Why me, Lord? Why is it me, Lord? You try to read your Bible, but your finances aren't looking any good. You're trying to pray, but the doctor still ain't giving a good report. You're trying to pray, but you can't get through to heaven. You're trying to be a faithful witness, but yet your marriage is struggling. You're trying to do all you can for God, but your life has fallen apart. You're doing everything you possibly can, but yet it seems like everything is falling apart. And you say, why me, Lord? Why is it me, Lord? It seems like everybody else is, is prospering and everything else is going on okay for everybody else. But Lord, why me? Lord, do you see my faithfulness? Uh, Lord, do you see what I'm trying to do? Lord, why is it me? Why is it me? I want to look at three things real quick, and we'll be done on why Moses said, why me? Now, Moses is only a few chapters in to what God has called him to do. And I want to notice here, number one, Moses was focused on the present struggle. Now, see, Moses was focused on the present struggle that he was facing instead of the promise that God had given him. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, pay attention to what God said here to Moses. God said to Moses, I am sure the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. See, Moses had already been warned that Pharaoh was not going to be easy to deal with. Uh, Moses had been warned and told that Pharaoh was going to be hard uh, to get along with. But God said, when Pharaoh would not listen to my word, I will reach out my hand and deliver you you with my mighty hand and you will be let go. See, Moses had already been told that this is going to be a difficult situation. But what is amazing to me is when all of a sudden the struggles come in, Moses forgot the Word of God and he was focused on the present struggle at hand. This, this present struggle had consumed Moses. The fact that he was being obedient and, and things were getting worse and God wasn't moving has consumed Moses in his mind. He feels that as if God is a thousand miles away, nothing is working out. And he says, why me, Lord? Anytime you and I become focused on the present struggles and not the word and promises of God, we will be consumed. And you better mark it down. You're just this far away from saying, why me, Lord? See, 
Anytime we become focused on the present struggles, we are in dangers of saying, why me, Lord? Ain't it amazing how our struggles will consume us? Have you ever had something happen? Maybe after a mountaintop victory and you feel like you're on top of the mountain, you could just reach up and grab a hold of God. In a matter of seconds, you get that phone call or you get that situation come your way. And all of a sudden, there's a major monster of a struggle in your life. And you no longer see or hear the promises of God, but you're focused on that very certain struggle. John 14 goes out the window. Amen. John 3.16 goes out the window. And all of a sudden, you forget everything that God had promised to you. And you're focused on this monster that's right in front of you. This is exactly where Moses was at this time. He said, Lord, why, why have you sent me, Lord? We go through the valleys and we go through the trials of life and, and we, go, we can experience hard days and they seem so hard and they seem so real and they will consume us in those very moments. But even Job said, man is born of a woman is full of trouble in a few days. And, but that does not negate the fact that God has given us a promise from his word. Amen. Paul said it like this. While we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The things which are seen, they're temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. This is what Paul's saying here. He's saying we're not looking at the things that are seen. The the present struggles, the things you can see in this world. Hey, if you look at this world long enough, you're going to be down today. Amen. If you get focused on what's going on presently, Paul said we don't look at the things that are seen because they're just temporal. This monster that you're looking at, it's going to go away. It's going to fade away. But you know what we are looking for? We're looking for a city that has foundation with hands that were not, were not made with hands, that was made of God. Amen? We're looking for a better home, a better place, a better heaven. And we're looking by faith tonight. Amen? We're looking by faith to the things that are not yet seen. Amen? Because everything we see tonight is all temporal. And we're not looking at those things. Amen? And what Moses was doing at this time, he was looking at the present struggles in his life and not the things that are not seen. And yet it had him consumed. He's two chapters into what God had called him to do. And here Moses is defeated and discouraged and was unaware what God was about to do. Amen. Got to focus on the promises of God, not the present struggles. Number two, Moses was unaware of what was later on in the book. See, you and I have the ability to read on through the next few chapters of Exodus, and it's a blessing to read through. But Moses here at this time of his life is living out currently the book of Exodus. Moses can't turn to Exodus chapter 14 and, and know about the story of the Red Sea departing. Amen? Moses can't see all the plagues coming up. Moses can't see God's deliverance. Moses can't read Joshua and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Moses is here in a moment. Amen? He was unaware of what was later on down the road in the book. So no doubt Moses was discouraged at this time. But I just wonder if Moses could fast forward and see what happened in Exodus chapter 14. Well, that changes outlook even just a little bit at all. If Moses could just look on down the, the ages of life and see what God was about to do in his life, would that change his discouragement at this time? I read over in Exodus chapter 14 where God said, Moses... Moses, after all the plagues and after all the, the struggles in, in Egypt, God let his people out and they were bound up by the Red Sea. And I can read over there where God said to Moses, Moses, stretch out your rod over the sea. It's an amazing picture to think in my mind that Moses stretched out his rod over that sea and the Red Sea departed. Amen. And all of God's people walked through on dry ground. I wonder if Moses could just kind of 
fast forward just a little bit and experience that moment, if that would change his mind to where he's at right now. If he just knew what was just chapters ahead, would this help him in his discouragement? See, right here Moses is saying, why me, Lord, why me, Lord? But yet, here in just a few chapters, God is going to move in a mighty way. Can I encourage you tonight? You might be discouraged today, but just as Moses was unaware of what's a few chapters ahead, you also are unaware of what's a few chapters ahead in your life. Amen? How many people have gotten discouraged on the things of God and just quit when God, when you turn the page, God was about to depart and, and, and split their Red Sea? How many people has quit and got discouraged on the things of God when God was moving behind the scenes and yet you did not know it, you did not see it, but God was about to move and people just walk out and quit on the faith? See, Moses could not read on Exodus chapter 14. I don't know if you've ever read it or not, but if you just read through there, it's mind-blowing and exciting to see what God done in the life of Moses on that day as he, as he literally split the Red Sea in half and all of God's people went through on dry ground and all of Egypt's were destroyed. Amen? If, if Moses could only see what was just a couple of pages away, don't get discouraged tonight because you just don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. And number, and number three, lastly, we'll see the Lord was teaching Moses the meaning of a true victory. We read in Exodus 14, God's power was demonstrated through Moses in such a mighty way. In Exodus chapter 15, we'll find that Moses takes the entire chapter almost, and he writes a song unto the Lord. This song glorifies God. This song magnifies God. And this song exalts God. For all that God had done for Moses in the previous chapters... Turn with with me real quick to Exodus chapter 15. We're almost through. Exodus chapter number 15. It's a different Moses you're reading about here in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Notice number, verse number 2. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare an habitation for him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. I got to thinking, would Moses have sang this song if God had not allowed him to experience the valley in Exodus chapter number 5. Would Moses have ever wrote Exodus, 15, Exodus chapter 15 if God would never have allowed him to come to the point of the valley in Exodus chapter number 5? See, God allowed Moses to come to this point in Exodus chapter 5 just to show Moses the power is not in you, Moses. The power is in God. And when Moses realized that he was helpless and he was hopeless and he could not help himself, and whenever he saw God come by and help him in his, in his low pit of the, of, the, of the state he was in and rescue him out of that place, Moses then sang a song unto the Lord. Amen. See, the Lord was showing Moses what a true victory really was. Now, would we really worship him tonight if we'd never experienced the valleys of life? Would, would we praise Him if we never experienced a storm? Would we raise our hands if we never experienced His mighty power? Would we, 
would we glorify his name if we've never experienced him get us out of the miry pit? Would we sing amazing grace if we've never experienced amazing grace? Would we raise our hands and, and holler and shout and praise the King of Kings if we've never experienced the valleys of life? We never would praise Him. But we'll begin to praise Him when God shows us the power is not in us. And we find that God comes by in the lowest state that we are in and He rescues us out of that situation. The reason we raise our hands and praise Him, amen, is because we've been in those storms and we've been in those valleys and we've seen God come by and rescue us out of those storms. Sometimes we just have to say, Lord, thank you for the storm. And whenever he delivered Moses, it was no longer about Moses, but it was about the Lord. There's coming a day where you and I will say it was all worth it. I know it's hard and I know there's trials, but there are better days to come. And I just wonder, in Exodus chapter 14, when, when God did split the Red Sea, did Moses whisper in the inside of his heart, say, not Lord, why me, but Lord, thank you for choosing me. No longer Moses saying, why me, Lord, but thank you, Lord, for letting me experience this. Lord, it was worth the valley to experience the mountaintop. Lord, it was worth the hard times to experience your power. Are you discouraged? Are you defeated? Are you down? Do you feel like you're doing everything you can and God's not moving? Can I say, keep holding on, God is not through with you. Now I want to notice in closing... Next is chapter number 6. The Lord responds to Moses' prayer in verses 22 and 23 of Exodus chapter number 5. Moses said, Lord, why me? Lord, I've been, I've been coming to Pharaoh and speaking in thy name, and he hath done evil to this people. And Lord, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Then the Lord speaks in chapter 6. Look at verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord said unto Moses... Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. Now pay attention to verse number 2. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. The way God answered Moses, he said, Moses, I'm the Lord. I'm still God. I understand you may be going through something tonight. I understand you may, be having, you may have something on your plate that, that none of us would understand tonight. You may even be in a situation tonight where you feel like you're doing everything you can to be obedient and mind God, but it, it seems like your life is falling apart. Can I encourage you tonight that He still is God? He still is the Lord. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? He still is the Lord. It don't matter what the trouble is. It don't matter what the trial is. It don't matter what the heartache is. It don't matter, it don't matter where you're at tonight. Amen? He still is the Lord. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. Sometimes that's the hardest things to do in some of the hardest times of life is just to be still, but to know that He still is the Lord. Amen?